far. I got something for you. We're so thankful to be uh, missionaries, uh, to be your missionaries. Uh, we do live in Sri Lanka, and I bought a gift to your pastor. I thank you so much for your friendship, and uh, you and Miss Kelly are a blessing to us, a fellowship. And keep that in mind before you receive this. Okay? Uh, we won't be back the whole year. He'll forget about this by next year, I'm sure. But uh, in Sri Lanka, the, the traditional menswear is a sarong. You will now. Uh, I will tell you this. Uh, it's at your discretion when and how you wear this. <laughs> skills. Okay. And wear these. It's, uh, they don't necessarily wear them in work, but they wear them in their home and to different cel- uh, ceremonies, uh, weddings, church. <laughs> but uh, I don't know why I'm on but it pretty much just step into it, wrap it around your waist, and tie it. And that's up to you how you, what you do after that. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I appreciate it, brother. All right. And I also appreciate that you didn't wear this <laughs> I really do love Brother Truman and Miss Kelly. They are a blessing to us. They're friends of ours, and we appreciate their your hospitality of this church. Thank you for letting us stay here, and uh, they have been a blessing to us for a long, long time. We are missionaries. Our field is South Asia. South Asia is a lot of different countries, but to reach those countries, we live in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is a country about is the state of Florida. If you need a, a, a reference, it is just below India, and. Um, Sri Lanka is a socialist nation. Uh, their government is very much, uh, 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 well, I won't say much about their government. But anyway, they have great needs there. With a population of about 22 to 23 million people that we know of, there are only four, maybe five, Bible-believing churches in the entire country. Uh, we were able to visit two of those so far since our time there. And as your preacher said, we just spent three months there. We had to come out to reapply for a visa and we're hoping that that visa will allow us to stay in the country for six months, beginning in June and carrying us into December. We cannot stay there full-time at this point. It was quite an investment to become a, a, a considered uh, a resident of Sri Lanka. It's a very, very costly, and we're not at that point. As, and uh, also, we like coming back to visit our family, and uh, my wife loves seeing our grandchildren, and I do too. But uh, at times, we need to come back and uh, spend some time with them. This is my wife, Teresa, by the way. I like to identify where she's sitting. If anything bad happens up here, and if there's movement right in that area, I'm gone, okay? While I'm preaching, she's got my wallet, my keys, and my cell phone. I know if she ever leaves me, it's going to be while I'm preaching. So if she even gets up to go to the restroom, I'm leaving, okay? Don't leave me here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, and I'm sure that you do, aren't you glad you have a copy of the Word of God? Blessing it is to have your own personal Bible. You know, there are people all over the world that don't have what you have? A Bible. And, and we look at the areas of the world that we minister into. Our ministry is into Pakistan, India, Nepal, Bangladesh, and now Sri Lanka. And so we look at the world, people that live in spiritual darkness, and they do. But by definition, darkness is simply the absence of light, and light is the Word of God. And they don't have what you have. And so early on, about two and a half years ago, we started deputations. We had a goal to, to 
thousand Bibles in India and Pakistan. How do do it? We can get the money to them. They can buy the Bibles. They cannot afford that because it's equal to about a day's salary, one Bible for them. And so we figured we can do this thousand dollars or $5,000. That we went early on, two and a half years ago, and said, Lord, would we be able to do this? And uh, uh, so as of about last week, we've now seen 5,500 Bibles distributed. Because churches gave us, and we're, we're, that ministry is funded through the end of this year. We have money reserved so we can send it as needed. I can't send all at once. I can send certain portions to certain places. And I don't send them to just anybody. It's and they'll send me a copy of the receipt, and then I get to watch them distribute the Bibles. And while they're distributing Bibles, they're proclaiming the gospel. And these are people that have never heard the gospel. Many of them have responded. news the world has ever heard. We have the gospel. Now, Sri Lanka is a little different. You cannot be a missionary. We are officially tourists in Sri Lanka. You get your money's worth. It's a place and we meet people, but we could not bring in printed material. We can't bring in hundreds or thousands of gospel tracts. We couldn't bring a bundle of Bibles with us. Because if we're searched in an airport on arrival, we will be deported for bringing those items into the countries. But what we were able to do is go to a print shop and we got a card printed. Now, they have two of these left. We'll have to get many more when we get back. But on the one side, it says hope. It says, John 17, 3, And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now we've given these Bible verse cards out to many, many people, almost a hundred. We purchased a hundred, we have two left. We sent, we found a bookstore in our city of Colombo that sells gospel tracts in their language. We've also handed out many, many dozens of these. But what happened with this tract, because there's only one verse, but we're giving these to people who have never seen or heard a Bible in their life. They've never heard of Jesus. I had a young man, I handed him this, and I told him, he said, who is this about? I said, this is about Jesus. Jesus came to give his life to you. He died for you on the cross. He said, I have never heard of Jesus. Why come no one told me before? This is a 19-year-old young man. I said, because he sent me here. God sent me here to tell you. I'm, I'm supposed to be the one who tells you. He didn't get saved on the spot, but we've had communication since then. My wife and I gave one to a young lady named Nashadi. Nashadi is 23 years old. She's in our letter. You get one through email. And Nashadi took this card and she read it and at our table. She was our waitress. And uh, we saw her the next morning at the same place. For breakfast, and, and she came, and she's just beaming. She, she just it's over and over. It is the best thing I ever read. And we try to teach her more. Try to give her the gospel, and as we do, we understand something. She says, "I want to know about Jesus, but I, I, I want to read the Bible for myself." We're going to go. 
something different because I'm moving too much. He told me to be. We'll be even. How about that? Is that better? Yeah. All right. So anyway, she said, this is the best thing I ever read. But I need to know more about Jesus because I want to read about him for myself. So we're able to get a Bible in her language. We delivered that Bible to her. We uh, prayed for her every day. Teresa had many contacts with her. And a uh, long, long story, very sh- uh, shorten it up a little bit. Uh, we met with her right before we left, just a couple of weeks before we left Sri Lanka. And uh, we took her to dinner, and uh, I excused myself so Teresa could talk to her at the table. And she told us that she had asked Jesus to be her Savior. She's saved. And we're thrilled. So excited about this. And we were asked to go to her uh, to meet her parents, which is a big deal there. And so we went into her parents' home. Her father's a Buddhist, her mother's Catholic, and her father no exposure to the Scriptures, no exposure to the Gospel, except now his daughter. And his daughter is reading her Bible, not, if not every day, almost every day. And now her mother is reading her Bible, too. And so now there's more of a chance, more hope that she will come, that her family will come to know the Lord because the gospel has entered into their lives. So pray for Nishadi's family. And uh, we appreciate your prayers for us. We do need it. And uh, that, what's in Sri Lanka for us? There's opportunity, but there's opposition. The same thing you have here, opportunity. Are there people that don't know the Lord in this area? Probably, yeah. In your neighborhood, in your family, yeah. Now, you may not be a missionary called to a foreign land, but you can take the gospel wherever you are because that's where the gospel is. It's in you. It's where you People still need it. And don't think just one verse of Scripture, one, one kind message, one kind or just being decent to people doesn't make a difference because it was one verse of Scripture that eventually led that young lady to, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Keep these people in your prayer. Our ministry in Pakistan is going wonderfully. We just finished our fourth semester in one Bible institute, and they just had a graduation service for another Bible institute that the Lord let us start and be a part of. Uh, the, probably the best thing I've seen in the last few months is my wife sitting at our table in Sri Lanka teaching Sunday school in Pakistan to small children. It is amazing that she does this. She's trying to, to give them references and uh, things that they just absolutely, sometimes you can tell, they don't get it. They didn't understand that. We have, to, we have to use terms that they can't understand. The church in India is doing great. They continue to hand out Bibles. Uh, Lord, to visit them uh, this year. Uh, we already have plans to get there for a few days. And also, we've been able to help build a, a, a church in a small mountain region of Nepal. Uh, that was funded through our ministry because people gave, and uh, people are continuing to give to that. And uh, we are just thankful that the Lord is using us in any small way. Now, turn to Acts chapter 4. Preacher said you're always out of here by 2 o'clock. Is that right? Well, today might be an exception. Preacher, you, I didn't even ask you how far, how long to go. But I see that clock is right in front of me. That's a sign. Acts chapter 4. 
I want to start kind of in the middle of a narrative, in the middle of a story here. And for the sake of time, I will back up and we'll get a better context of this. But I want to pull one word out of the Bible today. And it is a Bible word that we probably don't use that much. But still, nonetheless, it is a word from the Bible. So let's just read together and I'll get to that. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go. Now, now, automatically, you know something happened before this event. Because if somebody was let go, they was first got a hold of. Does that make sense? But it says, In being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And the next verse says, By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done uh, uh, by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were all assembled, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. I want to preach on boldness. It's a, it's a word that has many different definitions, but it primarily, in the context, the ability to continue and stick to the truth. Confidence in the message, in the truth. Now, this is Peter and John. If you go back to chapter number 3, and we won't go that quite that far, it seems every time they open their mouth, all they can talk about is Jesus. And that's what got them in trouble with this group of people. In chapter 3, the man is healed, and in verse number 6 is when he says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Chapter 3, verse number 13. They are speaking again, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus. Verse 16, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Now let's go to chapter 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came to them, being grieved, and this was the grievance they had, this was the difficulty they had, that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now verse 3 says, And laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. And so what offended them so much is they had such a love for truth and a love for Jesus that they would not stop proclaiming Jesus. They didn't have a problem with them having church. They didn't have a problem with them speaking. But they had to take out the one thing that was necessary, and that was the name of Jesus. And that's what offended them so. So we have churches in our country we live in now, and there are churches everywhere. It's a very religious people. And their churches, so-called, they're, they're places, they're gathering places, I guess we could say, places of worship. But almost none of them mention the name of Jesus. 
They, they do worship, but they do not worship God. Jesus. And so, folks, I'm trying to tell you is this. It, the whole world, even more today, is tied Jesus against Jesus. And the problem they have with you, and many times your friends, relatives, neighbors, and co-workers, what they have against you is that you will not vary on your message of Jesus Christ. That you will not be silenced about Jesus. And as a matter of fact, the more as we approach the day of His coming, the more boldness we should pray for and beg God for to stick with the message of the Bible, not change the message to fit the culture. They would not do it. Chapter 5, they're still preaching Jesus. And so, to, so much so, and they stuck with the message so that we can now have truth, that we can now have church the way we're having it today, just like they did. I was uh, thinking about what to preach this morning, and I prayed about it a little bit over the last few days, knowing that we were traveling here and coming here and realizing um, what we need is to keep what we have. Understand that statement? Don't we, do you pray? How many of you actually have a prayer life? Yeah, my, my, mine could improve. I, I promise you. Life is something I admire. But pray for because she's got to pray for me. Okay? And I am, the, I am the problem. I know that. I know that. It's been pointed out several occasions. I am the difficulty here. But we have a prayer life. How much time do we spend in prayer for the things that we don't have? And there are times for that, absolutely. But I think a part of our prayer life should be devoted to keeping what we do have. Now, I'll make this point and I'll show you. What they prayed for was boldness, correct? Now, look at chapter 4 and let's get to verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, ignorant men, they marveled that they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So let me just say this, and I'll go on with this somewhat of an outline before I leave and before I I end my portion of your service today. They already had boldness. But what did they pray for? Boldness. They would keep what they have. Church, you have some precious things. You have joy. You have a sense of unity in your church. You, you have a love for the Word of God and a love for Jesus Christ. Pray that you will not lose your love for Jesus Christ. You say, well, it's not possible. Try to tell that to the church at Ephesus. They lost their first love. Pray that you would never, never change culture to get more people, to, get more people in, to, to, to be a, 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 a more popular. If, let's just say it that way. They prayed to keep what they have. Did they, did they, how, how was it received? Well, apparently, God gave them exactly what they prayed for. And by the way, the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is they spake the Word of God with boldness. They continued on the same message. They didn't alter or change the message, knowing that the culture was against it. So yes, in, in Sri Lanka, we it is amazing to me how many times we get to be the first people to talk to people about Jesus. They have never heard of Jesus. And we've been in great crowds of people. I watched my wife, and there was a school meeting going on in the park. That's where we hand out tracks at times in the park. And, and, and she's surrounded by about 50 school kids simply because she's an American woman. And they don't see Americans that often. 
and blind. That helps a lot too because they, they don't see that either. Now, they, were, they weren't surrounding me, of course. I guess gray hair is no big deal to them. But in that, did we have a chance? It's not, not, not with our mouths, but with our deeds, our actions we did. We could show them the love of Christ. We've even had people remark to us, there's something different about you. What is it? And it's Jesus in us. That's, he's the only thing we have. I mean, apart from him, we're nobody. We're nothing. Without him, we can do absolutely nothing. We're in another, a park in another and we were surrounded. I mean, when I there must have been 30 or 40. I looked and my wife is surrounded by these guys and I'm walking over there and I got interrupted. I got, I, I, I got intercepted by a larger group and all it was is they wanted to get their photos taken with Americans. And they were happy to see Americans. They, they're not used to seeing Americans. They all speak English. English is a requirement in their schools from grade one all the way through college. It really is a help to us. And so we were able to talk to them inevitably what they come up with is why did you come to Sri Lanka? Because all they want is to come to America. They, they think if they can just get to the United States, their lives would be worth living, everything would change. Why did you come to this country? Why? And we do not hesitate to tell them we're here to tell you about the love of God and that Jesus died for you. And we give them one of these cards. Well, that day I had a bunch of the cards in my pocket. We go nowhere without them. And I gave out a bunch of cards. And right after our meeting, they were called to pray. They all got together with their leaders, and I saw them all bowing down, getting ready to pray, except for one guy. And instead of being full process, he was kind of on his knees and pulled out that card. And I said, this young man now has a chance. He has a whole... And I've had many conversations with him since then. So yes, there's great opportunity, but there is great opposition. At times, it is felt. It's every day heard. I mean, there are some places that we just don't like to go into in our city because there is so much opposition there and such a presence in this city. There's idolatry everywhere we go. In one form or another, in most places, in every possible form. But pray for us that we'll maintain boldness, confidence, stick to the message, and do what Jesus has taught us to do in Sri Lanka. Really, what our calling is to be salt and light. Those two things. That's it. That's all we got to do. I, I tell people this. Here's what we're doing in Sri Lanka. We're planting. I'd ever see that harvest, but I do know this. If you don't plant the seed, there will not be a harvest. I mean, I'm not that young. My wife is younger than me a little bit. Not much, okay? She's not a lot younger. Some guy came up to our table recently, like a few months ago. He said, uh, they said your wife was here. I see your daughter with you. Where's your wife? Oh, that's hilarious. Thank you for that. And here's what I tell people. Living with me has been easy. Look at her. Living with her is taking its toll. A little bit harder. I'm aged. Why are you in our country? Tell people that God loves them. That he died for them too. Not just America. Not just Americans, but Sri Lankans.
And many people have heard this message. And they don't always respond, well, I need to know Jesus right now. But they may say, I'll hear thee again on this matter. Now, some believe, some mock. But that is the only three possible responses to the gospel. And, and when we get that and we precondition our that's exactly how your friends, co-workers, na- relatives, and neighbors are going to respond to the gospel. Some are going to mock. And I don't like it any better than you do. But some will hear thee again on this matter, and some will believe. But none will believe if we don't tell them. Now back to the text. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm not really following this outline at all. I want you to notice their response to opposition. And maybe this would help us today. First of all, and it's all found in verse 23 and verse 23. And being let go, they gave up and went home. No, that's not what it said. And hallelujah, it doesn't say that. And being let go, they went to their own company. What did they do first? They assembled. They went to church. And so I believe we'd have less opposition if we let every time opposition drive us to the house of God, bring us to church. It, it shocks me sometimes at how somebody will have a hiccup in their life and the first thing they give up is the best thing for them. They give up assembling in the house of God together. They give up their church. But they assembled. They went to church. And notice they also did this and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They accounted. This is what's going on. So when they got to church, they had a message. And, 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 and look, they're not doing this in panic. I believe there's some, kind of, some level, a great level of excitement in this. Because if the devil's not against what we're doing, we shouldn't be doing it anyway. We're doing the wrong things. I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not surprised at opposition. I expect the opposition. What I do know is that the Lord is greater than the opposition. And if God's for us, who can be against us? What does matter if there's opposition it surprises me at the boldness of the Pakistan when they are actually assembling they're having church now it's in a house or it's out in a grove somewhere or it's in a uh, behind a block building view it is the very much the underground church but they have church when they have church I mean they they have a great time. They, they lift up their voices and praise God. And they don't have a problem giving testimony. And they are spreading and sharing the gospel with other people. And all of that is illegal. And they know the consequences. I talked to my friend there and I said, isn't it dangerous to be a Christian, a believer? I don't say Christian often. I say a believer in Pakistan. He said, it's dangerous, but Jesus is worth it. Hallelujah. I wish you could come to America and tell that. I wish you could. We won't invite people to church because they might say no, get our feelings hurt. We won't give out. Somebody might look at us funny. But they're assembling knowing that the price might be that it could cost them everything. In India recently, they went into a place to hand out Bibles. And a, a a mob of people chase them physically out of the out of the village. You can't be here. We don't want your Bible. They're of a different religion, and I won't tell. Give you exact locations. I won't put people in in harm. 
He said, sir, we have the Bibles you provided. But Day, they go into a village. They ended up handing out 90 Bibles in a school to teenage boys in a boys' school. Hallelujah. Those boys had never seen a copy of the Bible. Yeah, there's great opposition, but God is greater. So how do we handle opposition? There is opposition today. There, there, there are difficulties in our lives, certainly. A symbol. That's what you're doing this morning. Account. Hey, we need pray. Let pray. This is what's going on. And, and finally, they appealed. Because the next verse says, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They prayed together. It's remarkable how many times the church is meeting and they're praying together. And God heard. How did God respond to their prayer? And when they had prayed, the way I read this in context as they're praying, I I don't believe there's a great time between the prayer and the answer in this case. I I believe it's instantaneous. Uh, uh, The place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. God gave them what they asked for. They continued to proclaim Jesus with boldness. They didn't change the message to fit the culture or make it more popular, more palatable to the lost. They stuck with the truth. And through, and eventually, if you keep, continue to read, Folks, that, he is our message. And I want to tell you, it works. It works in Sri Lanka. I know it works in Pakistan and India. It works in Nepal. And it works here. Same message. We don't change the gospel when we present the gospel there. Because if you change it, you don't have the gospel. We don't change the message at all. We just touch. We, we, we try to teach people. And we don't try to lead them to take Jesus as Another one of their family gods. We try to teach them, and the verse that to them is the only true God. I can't even tell you how many times the same verse to these people online in two and a half years. I'm having two uh, on a light week, three services on a heavy week, eleven services a week online, and getting contacts even every day. Different people, would you help me? It's because I can, I'm American. I must have a lot of money, and I can give them money, but I can't. What I have is Jesus, and I can give you Jesus. Silver and gold have I none. But I promise you this message is still what the world needs to hear today. You say, well, it don't work anymore. It don't work if we don't give it out. People can't respond to what they don't hear. We try to present so many different things to people, but what we need to do is present Jesus to people. And continue to tell him, tell that same message, stay on message. This lady, Nishadi, Teresa talked to her, I think yesterday, or texted with her yesterday. And her goal is to uh, see her parents saved. Her Buddhist father, 
We went into her home. I'll just close. I won't even get to the, to the outline here. We went into her home. It's a Buddhist man, a Buddhist home. He runs his home as, as a, any a man there would. But he was very gracious to us. He welcomed us in. Her mother served us uh, water and a coffee. Very sweet, very nice. A whole family, cousins that live by. Uh, we, we, we had to wait for one sister to get off. A family picture with us. And I'm sitting there, and we're killing time. Of course, the conversation's a little off because the only people that speak English are Nashadi and her father. The rest of the family didn't. So we were talking, and, and I'm looking, and my wife's sitting there with that very same Bible that's in her lap now, opening that, that Bible at that Buddhist man's kitchen table, reading Bible verses. Now, he's, she was reading them verses of assurance to Nashadi, but he was sitting there too, listening. He heard every bit of it. And I, then and there, I was so proud. Because she would have done that anywhere in the world we were at. She didn't let the location change them. She didn't let the opposition silence her. Folks, we have the world's greatest message. And our one duty, responsibility, is to be salt and to be light. The world's dark enough. You say, what difference can I make? The darker it gets, the more difference even a little light makes. And it's getting very dark. We're thankful for your prayers and your support. If you have to stop one of those, don't. That's what I should say. But, but stop the support. Don't stop the prayers. We need people praying for us. We've been in situations in the last three months where it was absolute critical that we had people praying for our safety, well-being, and that the Lord would give us direction. He would lead us in the right decisions to make the right places to go, the right people to be around. And He has blessed us, and we're grateful that He uses us in any way. We're just His, and He uses us. And until He calls us home, that ought to be all our prayer. Use us where we're at. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank You for this church. I thank You for their 